This is The Mitch Gray Show, where we are bringing the art of humanity back to leadership. Subscribe to The Mitch Gray Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Mitch Gray Media, where you'll find each of our episodes and other resources that will equip, inspire, and empower you to lead well. And now, The Mitch Gray Show. What is up, brothers and sisters? Welcome to The Mitch Gray Show. Uh, Really excited about my conversation today. Uh, if you don't know, um, the gentleman that I'm having on today gonna gonna ask a few questions of. Uh, it's had a really interesting journey in life, really great story, and I promise you will be encouraged. And I have a feeling you're gonna learn a little bit of something about what it's like to lead people. So, uh, brothers and sisters, welcome my friend, Mr. Jim Johnson. Jim, how are you? Doing great. Nice to see you, Mitch. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, me too. Thanks for coming on the show. It's been great. We've spoken a few times and we're fairly new in our relationship, but we've had some really great conversations. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jim, you are, um, I'm going to preface, I'm going to preface my questions with this because in a day and age that it feels like everyone is calling themselves a coach for one reason or another, (laughs) you're an actual coach. (laughs) I am. I am. In fact, I, I, I kind of laugh, you know, because now that I'm in the business world, uh, you know, I, I'm my LinkedIn profile. I have coach Jim Johnson and I do coach people now, but you know, I was known as a coach cause I was a basketball coach for over three decades. So yeah, you, you spent over 30 years in the classroom, educating young minds and all the yeah. hardwood right. uh, te- teaching. I think for the most part, you coached uh, high school boys for the most part right. for your career. Yep, and so part. So my big question, I like to always start a show with a big question. And because because you're what I'm going to call an actual coach, not that others aren't, but I just find it kind of funny. Um, what does it mean to be a coach? And I know you can kind of give a twofold answer from your leadership and personal development stuff and then from your three decades of athletic coaching. But what does it mean to really be a coach? Well, I'm going to start by saying this. Uh you know what, when, because I still have a lot of people, I've retired from coaching basketball. It's been five years now. And yet I still have a number of people that call me coach. So I'm going to start by saying that I believe it's a real honor when people do call you coach, yes. uh, because it really shows that uh, I think uh, they respect you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, so I, I really look at it as an honor to be called coach. Um, and, you know, in fact, I, I have a young man that does some part-time work for me and I've become an avid tennis player late in life and I play tennis a lot and he still calls me coach, you know, and wow. I never coached him per se. He was never on my basketball team. He was a student at the school, but now he, you know, we, as I said, we've developed a really nice relationship, but that's what he calls me. So I just think it's a, it's a great honor to be called coach. Mm. And I think it's something that you, you do have to really have a lot of passion to be a coach because I think uh, it's an earned privilege to be yes. called a coach. Yes. Uh, and, and certainly, you know, I think the, the coaches that are uh, the best are the ones that are, you know, really good at leadership and building relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember years ago um, when my dad, my dad spent quite a few years coaching and I remember being, I had to have been in probably fourth or fifth grade, some, somewhere in there. And my dad and I were walking down, a, down the aisle of a grocery store and a young man, probably in his early twenties, walked by and I saw him take a second glance at my dad and he stopped. He said, coach Gray, is that you? 
And it kind of took, you know how it is when you coach someone yeah. 20, 30 years and, and you yeah. knew them as a 17 year old and now they're, you know, older. So my dad right. kind of looked and he remembered the kid's name and they gave each other a big hug. And, you know, those, those are those kind of sacred moments that you're talking about. Right. Um, and whether you're an athletic coach or a life coach or a spiritual coach, really a, a, an effective, empowering coach changes lives. Yes. Yeah. And, and there's no exchange for that. That is an honorable privilege. Yes, I, I'm right with you 100%. Um, so you, you've kind of the last, you mentioned the last, you know, five years after retiring, you, I think you ended up quite a few years ago, kind of falling into this whole public speaking arena. I, I, if I remember from our previous conversations, not something that you necessarily woke up one day and thought, I'm going to travel and be a speaker, but <laughs> we're, we're going to get to an event later that people may remember, um, that kind of catapulted those opportunities for you. But, right. you know, taking your years of being in the classroom of, being in the basketball gym and now of, you know, speaking to corporations and other leaders, what does it really mean to lead people? Um, that's kind of another ideology that you hear kind of tossed around quite a bit, but when you get down to the, you know, the, the grassroots of it, what does that look like? Well, you know, I, I really spent a lot of time. Uh, I'll, I'll start with a very quick story. That was a humbling story for me. <laughs> when I was uh, 25 years old, I had been out of college for three years. I was an assistant basketball coach. My dream was to become a head coach at the high school level. Uh, in my uh, where I grew up, I, I grew up in a suburb of Rochester, New York, called Greece. And after three years, I, I had some success as a junior varsity coach. And of course, I thought I knew everything about leadership and coaching. And I was waiting for my first varsity opportunity. Well, I get it at 25 years old, which is pretty young in wow. our my profession. And I take over a program that's not very good. And of course, I think, you know, that I've got all the knowledge. It doesn't matter how talented the coach turn this thing around. And I did such a great job that I led that team to 17 consecutive losses. And then, uh, and then uh, as I kid people, it, it's a little bit deeper than this, but as I kid people that I, uh, they, I didn't like what the administration had to say to me after the season. Of course, what they said to me was you're fired. Uh, and uh, so it was a really humbling experience, but I, I like to share that because it really grounded me Mm -hmm. and, and it gave me two, I mean, there's a lot of lessons I gained from that, but there were two that jumped out to me. And the first one was, is that after the initial pain, I realized that I had a lot to learn about mm -hmm. being a coach and, mm -hmm. and I really started to study leadership. And that's something I share with people all the time is if you want to be exceptional in something, you got to make it a study. You got to really, mm -hmm. so I really dove into trying to become a better leader. And the second thing is, you know, you hear this all the time, but there is so much truth in life. We're all going to hit, you know, roadblocks, adversity, whatever you want to call it. But if you use those as learning experiences and also as motivators, because I will tell you, Mitch, that I had never that feeling of, you know, being devastated and losing my job as I was a teacher as well. So I lost both because it's my first year. So I didn't have tenure and there was a lot. So it was a really uh, difficult time in my life, but that motivated me. I'll never forget. In fact, it was like 25 years later, I was sitting at my home, like at 11 o'clock at night, looking for at a video because we were playing we back-to-back -back games. So, and uh, I, uh, 
And I was like, I was tired. And I'm like, I, I don't want to do this right now. And I, and it always came to back to me. Nope. You're never going to go back to that first experience. You know, you're going to fight right. through this. And so I used it as a motivator and yeah. it helped me immensely. And then what I really did is in studying leadership, now, these, this is what I share, you know, whether I'm talking to athletes or uh, business leaders or leaders and, you know, in schools, coaches, whatever it happens to be is I really uh, came up with these seven keys. They're not things that people haven't heard of. And mm-hmm. I, I didn't reinvent the wheel, mm-hmm. but I did study a lot. And, you know, I put my own little verbiage on a couple things and some, I, you know, I basically just stole the ideas. Right. But I, I, what, I, what I really did is I developed a system of being a more effective leader. Mm-hmm. And when I started this process, it was interesting because, you know, the, the old adage, but there's so much truth. The first person you got to lead is yourself. Yes. And early yes. in my life, yes. I wasn't doing such a good job of leading yeah. myself. And when I started to do that, and I certainly can go over those seven keys if you want, but uh, that really helped me um, get a foundation of what leadership. And and the other thing I, I you know, like I, I've stopped coaching five years ago. Now I still do a lot of leadership programs, so, but I love leadership. I am mm-hmm. reading all the time. I'm listening mm-hmm. to podcasts. I'm, you know, I just, because, you know, I think one of the things you have a responsibility is to continue to grow yourself and, yes. and you know, yes. find those ideas because, there's always a little, you know, you might've heard the idea, but just a little twist that can help you become a more effective. uh, And then the other thing, as you learn, you still got to put it in your own uh, way of doing things. You know, you can't be, you know, like uh, when I, uh, I studied, you know, some great coaches between John Wooden and Rick Pitino and others and, you know, but you can't be them, you know, but you can learn from them. And you put it into your own personality. And, and, you know, usually when you do that, good things will happen to you. Yeah. Um, the, knowledge is really empty without practice. Yes. And um, oftentimes we do gain knowledge and, and because of fear or, or lack of permission or whatever. Right. We, we don't try and um, put, it, put it into action and manifest that knowledge into something else. And, right. and you're right. That's where the real power and really where living, if you're not practicing your knowledge, you're, you're not really living. <laughs> so that's, that's a powerful thing. Jim, right. um, a, a question came to mind, and I think I'm really excited to kind of hear your, your response to this. But as someone who, you know, coached basketball, coached, Oh gosh, what, what could we say? Thousands of, of young students and players. You've definitely won more than you've lost. Um, that 17 losses in a row is not <laughs> in, in, an indictment on your overall record. Um, Coach of the year awards, multiple division titles, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the question that just came to mind while you were talking. Mm-hmm. What is the power of a loss? In other words, when someone's thinking, because we could, we could talk about losses and wins and, and sports, but really we could talk about what people want to say are losses and wins and life. Mm-hmm. What can the power of a loss be? It's a really good question because, uh, you know, when you do lose, uh, you know, especially when you invest a lot of time in something like I did in coaching basketball, it just, it, 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 it hurts. Um, but I, I will say that, um, uh, that, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to answer your question, but I'm also going to put a little addendum to it. So the first thing is the losses, as much as they hurt, 
uh, are probably your most powerful lessons Mm. because they really show things that that you're not doing right. Uh, Although sometimes you can play very well and you just lose to a team that's really good. So that happens. But most of the time, it's not the case. It's usually because your team didn't perform to their capabilities. Um, You know, there's certainly exceptions to that. But there is so much that is manifested through a loss. And so I think as the coach, it's your job to really uh, figure out how you can correct those errors and then back to the team uh, and share, you know, be authentic with that. But also, uh, I think, you know, it's important, you know, it's not like I was this guy that, you know, was pie in the sky and, you know, the things are going to get so much better. But, right. but I am more optimistic than I am pessimistic. So I, I do think you've got to have a light that you're going to keep things in a positive light. But losses are, are really powerful because they really do show things that you you may have been aware of, but sometimes you're not aware of, mm. uh, you know, especially my late later years where I had really good teams, um, you know, and sometimes you get masked uh, by, you know, because you're so good that yes. you beat teams, yes. you know, by 25, but you should have beaten them by 50, but because you didn't play very well. So that was really important. But then the addendum is, is I do think sometimes we get caught up so much in learning from losses that you also, I do believe you got to learn from your wins. Yes. Uh, yes. And, and I think we sometimes forget about that. You know, when I often, I know earlier we win, it's like, okay, well, we won. So nothing's wrong, right? <laughs> that's not the case either. You know, so, yeah. uh, and that's why I think you, you do have to analyze both wins and losses, but certainly the losses are a bigger wake up call for me anyways, mm-hmm. as a coach, you know, when you lose, uh, you know, it, it kind of tears a little bit of the heart out, you know, and you really want to fix it as soon as you possibly can. Whereas wins, uh, you really got to make sure that you do go back and, and look at the film and look at the stats and, you know, figure out, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, that, that's part of life is that, you know, no matter how well you play, you can always get better. And that's something I think as a leader, you have to do is, uh, you know, I think a goal in coaching, you know, sports is you want to be playing your best at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, so, you know, if you're playing really well early in the season and you think, well, th- this is great, we don't have any work to do and uh, <laughs> boy, that'll wake you up in a hurry for sure. Yeah, and it's uh, it's also this idea of um, understanding what you did right, right. And you know, you, you see that often in, in sports, especially, but you see it in the business world. You know, people mm-hmm. oftentimes people in leadership positions, whether it's because of the way they were treated, or I think usually it's because of their own internal value system mm-hmm. that they almost settle on, well, we need to fix what's wrong that they never learn from what they did. Right. right. And my granddad used to have a saying, and, and I think it holds some truth to it. And he, it was about raising kids. And he said, Mitchell, when you get old enough to raise kids, don't worry about showing them what's wrong. Just show them what's right. Mm, great point. And then when they, when they encounter something that's against what they know is right, they'll see that and go, Oh, hold on a second. Right. And, you know, not that that's the, the, it's a blanket statement, but I think there's a lot of value to that in um, when you can coach and lead people in areas of their strengths and, and study the wins from a perspective of what we do. And even in losses, you do a lot of right things when you lose. Yes. Um, And so it's, it's a real balance of both of those. And, and yeah, it's just an interesting, you know, that's why I, 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 and I think you'll agree with this sport is such a, a mirror reflection of life. 
yes. of, you know, Very working much. together and living together and learning together. And yeah. um, you can take an, a group of average athletes who are a really great team and they become great. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and you can take a, a group of really high caliber athletes that are not a team. Right. And, and it doesn't work out too well. Most of the yeah. time. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's the same in, in life as well. So and I think Jim, that's one of the things, uh, Mitchell, I'll just say that that to me is really the art of coaching or, you yes, know, you can, yes. you know, but I think there's both art and science is that, um, uh, you know, in, in figuring that out and, you know, and how you can keep, because there, there's certainly no straight path to, you know, <laughs> the end, for sure. No, no. So. no and, and that's kind of why you alluded to it a little bit. When you, when you focus too, too much on the result, whether it's a win or a loss mm-hmm. or, or a gained contract or a lost contract or a successful sell, or, you know, that's what I like to tell people, I'm like, you have to define success before you even start because, mm-hmm. Yeah. If your success is only predicated on your win-loss category, you're not going to enjoy things very much. No, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, because there's not a straight path. It's it's an right. interesting, interesting thing. This this yeah. thing we call life. Yeah. yeah. So a couple of years ago, you had a book came, come out, a coach and a miracle, um, yep. and and that is still available that people can uh, can still order. Correct. Yep, it's on my website. I actually was yeah. selling a discount, so yeah, it. Uh, uh, it's a book I was very proud of is, uh, I don't know if we're going to delve into the story a little bit, but I'm sure we will a little bit anyways. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So folks can visit your website, coachjimjohnson.com, and we'll have that in the show notes, um, as well. So let's back up a little bit further, Jim, you, you said that your dream, and I love talking about people's dreams and why they ended up where they are. You know, we don't mm-hmm. arrive on accident, right? We, right. we arrive because, it's where life has led us and where we've chosen to be. But um, what made you dream to be a high school basketball coach that, you know, most people, when they go into coaching, it's like college or professional. Uh, what, what guided you to that specific dream? Well, I, you know, my, one of my major role models growing up was my father and my father ironically was my high school basketball coach. Um, and actually I had three younger brothers, but he actually got out of coaching basketball after me. I don't know if I, I, took him over the edge of life. <laughs> he, he actually moved into administration. So he yeah. got out of coaching because of that. So my three other brothers played for another coach, but, uh, but he, you know, I, I just, you know, we were very passionate about sports. I played a lot of different sports and when high school, um, you know, basketball became, although I, you know, continue to play multiple sports mm-hmm. and I, uh, so I just really, uh, I fell in love with the game of basketball. And, you know, of course, uh, you know, when you're high school, I ended up being a pretty good high school player in my mind, a lot better than actually what I was. But uh, uh, so I, you know, I, I mean, at one time, you know, you had a dream to play in the NBA. And then, you know, when I, I actually got cut from my college team, so I realized mm-hmm. that we're going to play in the that NBA. That wasn't going to happen. <laughs> uh, but then, uh, you know, I just still love the game of basketball. And I like working with young people. And, so I, uh, I did dabble. I'm not going to lie to you and say that I didn't, you know, I had some aspirations. I coached a couple of years in my first five or six years as an assistant at the college level. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I just, um, I really like the appeal of, you know, being in a town and having a community and being around a school. And I just really fell in love with working with high school kids. And yeah. so that's where my passion laid. And you know, once I got that momentum. And, and, you know, in my last 27 years, I coached at my, my hometown at two different high schools. 
And uh, that just was, for me was my dream come true. You know, I got an opportunity to go back in my hometown and, and, you know, be a coach of a high school team. And, you know, unfortunately we started to have a lot of success. And so we, you know, we gained some momentum and, uh, but I, and, you know, as I evolved, um, you know, early in my career again, uh, you know, I met, uh, you know, the winning or losing was really important to me, you know, not to say at the end it wasn't, I mean, I was right. still trying to coach and win games, but, you know, as I really learned more about myself and how to be a better leader, I realized that how important it was to be a great role model for, mm-hmm. for these young people mm-hmm. and to build relationships and really treat them with respect and, and, you know, create memories for them, you know, on and off the court. Yes. And boy, when we started to do that, I, you know, I mean, I still, uh, you know, just cherish those memories of, you know, things we did off the court court things we did court you know and, and certainly it's, it's nice when you win a, a big game or win a championship but well you just remember the journey i think so much right. more right yeah that's powerful that's powerful it's interesting how a few decisions in life can change the course radically yeah and uh, and and that's in a way that's kind of what happened to you yeah. um in in 2006 you made a coaching decision that that kind of changed everything in, in a yeah. way and it's and you know, I, I want people to, um, I, I remember seeing the story in 2006 when it all happened and watching right. it with my son who was in, you know, what middle school or whatever at the time. But, you know, I always, I, I love stories like this because the story is beautiful, but I love these stories because it really shows the power of a moment. Um, even when we're making what just seems like a decision that we're not really worried about the result. We're just making a decision because we feel right. like it's the decision to make. Right. And that's kind of what happened to you. So yeah, share, share with the people, the, we'll, we'll go with the kind of short version. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, I had a young man come into our program. His name was Jason McElwain. The world now knows him as J Mac. And he, he, I didn't know him really at all. And so he didn't he, uh, go out for basketball his ninth grade year, but then he tried out for our JV team. Uh, and he was a little guy back then. He was like five, six, a hundred pounds soaking wow. wet. And he's on the autism spectrum. He's also learning disabled. And and my JV coach came to me after a couple of days of trial and says, Coach, Jason's not a very good player, but man, he has a big heart. He loves the team. He loves basketball. I think we should keep him in the program. So he did. He kept him as the uh, the JV manager. And I admit there were some trials and tribulations early on, but the kids really started to embrace him because they saw much that he loved the kids and loved the program. And he became a big part of us. And so after his sophomore year, what made him unique is, you know, I was a head coach for 30 years and I rarely would ever have a young man try out more than once and make the team. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason doesn't make it as a JV. He comes to all our off season workouts, trying to wow. make the team as a junior comes out as a junior. I doesn't make the team, but I offer him the team manager's job. And, uh, you know, in his big dream, ironically, back then, we were starting to win a lot, but I had a big stumbling block. We kept losing in our postseason tournament, which we called the sexual. So I, the furthest we had ever gotten was the semifinals of the tournament. And I got there five times with five different teams. And then Jason's junior year, he was really big into it. You know, we're going to break this barrier for coach. And we get to the semis for the sixth time in my career, we lose again. Oh, ironically at the buzzer to our crosstown rival. So it even added a little bit, but Jason just was relentless. He, Mm -hmm. you know, his senior, he came back again, came to everything. Mm -hmm. And so I I really was building a special bond. So when he came out of senior, I brought him in and said, 
Jason, unfortunately, not quite, quite good enough to make the team. And this time he was really disappointed because this was his final shot. Yeah. But I told him I'd give him a gift. And that was for senior night, a final home game. I'm like, uh, get you a uniform, hopefully get you in the game. Mm-hmm. Well, ironically, Jason senior, we had a really good team. But this is a lot about the book was not only the magical story that I'll share in a moment, but we were we were supposed to have a really good team, but we got divided. Uh, it's too long of a story to get into, but it really made the team uh, fight against each other. And, you know, because of that, we were really struggling. We were losing games we shouldn't. And finally, we got the troops. Uh, we went to a Christmas tournament. And we uh, played in a championship game and I took, brought him in the day of the game because it was during Christmas break. And I, and I challenged him. I, I said, guys, the way we're playing right now, Fairport, the team we're playing that night, they're going to be us by 50 points. And the best thing I did as a leader that day is I just, we didn't, you know, we had this short practice. Normally I bring balls out. I didn't bring anything out. We just sat and talked. And they finally opened up and it manifested that night in a positive way. We lost to this Fairport is really good in overtime. And then we got some momentum and we won eight of our next nine games going to senior night on February 15th. So I give Jason his first jersey on February 13th. It was number 52. It was way too big. At that point, he's like 5'9", 120 pounds. But he didn't care. In fact, there was a rumor going around school. They slept in it for two straight nights. Uh, but anyway, so... The game comes, and the thing that touched me so deeply, uh, besides the game, which I'll describe in a moment, was that when he, before the game, we honored all the seniors, including him, and now to see him instead of in his white shirt and black tie, he's down in number 52, it's way too big, but see him embrace his parents in uniform is a memory I'll always cherish. Well, the game begins, and uh, I'll cut to the chase. So after three quarters, I got everybody in but Jason. Mm-hmm. And so my, my thought process is I wanted to put him in with enough time so he could score a basket, but I, I wanted to balance it and make sure everybody else mm-hmm. played because he wasn't normally a you know team member. Right. And so I put him in with just four minutes to go. And he, you know, when he gets in, the place just rocks. And what I didn't know is all of our, uh, one of our parents had made these pictures, these placards of Jason's face, and he gave them to our student body. They call themselves the six men. And when Jason walked on the court for the first time, they show all these placards. And I'm usually pretty macho. I don't usually cry at basketball games. I sit down, I can't stop crying. I mean, it's like, wow. it's just flowing down my face. Wow. I couldn't believe it. So he gets in the game. First time he touches the ball, he's got the ball in the, in the right corner behind the three-point arc. He lets it go. And everybody kind of stands in anticipation. It misses by like six feet. It's not even close. <laughs> I kid people when I do my keynotes that I, I know you're not supposed to pray in public schools, but I was praying, dear God, please help me get one basket. Well, the next possession, he gets a, a shorter shot, and this time it's about 10 feet. And this time it hits the rim. So I'm like, all right, God's starting to listen. We're getting closer. <laughs> and the third shot, he shoots a three-pointer, and this time magic. It goes wow. in, and the place just explodes. And, yeah. and you know, we had about 1,000 people in the gym, and we have about 90,000 in our town, and it mm-hmm. sounded like 90,000. It was just pure bedlam. And I was thinking, oh, my God, God must be a basketball fan. No, he's Jason <laughs> scored. He's got a three-pointer. It can't get any better than this. Well, Jason's idol was Kobe Bryant. Huh. And uh, unfortunately, he's passed. But mm-hmm. uh, he – for the next three minutes, he turned into Kobe. He yeah. just starts making shot after shot. And the, and, the, and the place is going crazy. This bananas. And I have no idea how many points he has. And the two things I'll never forget, with about a minute ago, I'm still sitting on the bench. I cannot believe what I'm seeing. I'm seeing right. all, making all these shots. 
and tears still fall on my face. And I get a tap on my shoulder. I look behind me. It's Jason's mother. And mm-hmm. she's bawling her eyes out. And she whispers in my ear, coach, this is the best gift you could ever give him, my son. Mm-hmm. Of course, what are you going to do with that? I cried harder. <laughs> then Colleen ends, literally is out of a movie. Our yeah. opponent scores with about 10 seconds. Uh, the school is Spencer Port. And I do want to give kudos to their coach and their team. They were really great sports that night. But our player takes it out and he normally throws it to our point guard. But this time, for some unknown reason, he throws it right to J-Mac. So he's dribbling down. And you see the clock ticking down five, four. And I thought, you know, they're just going to let him go in. He'll make a layup and end the game. He pulls up like two feet behind the arc. Let's go this rain by thinking, Jason, don't shoot for that. It was way too far. Swish. Wow. I look over, our student body runs on the floor, our players run on the floor, and wow. it was just pure bedlam. And I at that point, then our players put him up on their shoulders, and he's got the game ball over his head. And at the point, I had no idea how many points he has. And our public address under comes out and scores, says the leading score for the Trojans tonight, J-Mac, with 20 points. And of course, I'm thinking of my math brain, because he played for four minutes, so he played the whole game, he scored 160 points. That would have yeah. been pretty good. <laughs> I want to share three quick things. Uh, there's two little lessons. And the third one is just a little story about Kobe. So is the two, uh, there were certainly so many lessons, but the mm-hmm. thing that jumped out to me, number one, was that I, had, because we had, had so much internal strife, I wasn't, I knew the kids liked him, but I wasn't sure how they were going to handle it. And I never asked them to pass the ball yet. When the smoke had cleared, Jason was the only one that shot. They kept passing balls out of their own hearts. And to me, that was the essence of teamwork. And I, I always jab Jason, you know, because I still talk to him a lot. And I'll say, J-Mac, I'm still looking for your first assist. You didn't pass the ball <laughs> once. And uh, <laughs> right. but that really showed. And then the other thing for me personally was that um, I really felt I did it for the right reasons. We didn't have any media there. And although I have felt like there's been a ripple effect, I've seen some neat stories. Uh, but in fact, I, when I, the only responsibility I had the media that night is to call it into our local newspaper and they didn't make much of a deal out of it. And I thought that's where it was going to end. And the reason it got huge media attention is because Jason's speech pathologist, he had never come to a game. I barely knew him um, because he worked with Jason, you know, in a, uh, a room away from where I normally taught. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he was at the game and he was so touched that he called one of our TV stations the next day and he said, you've got to come and borrow the video from the coach. And when they did, it just went from local to all of a sudden within three days, it was became global. It was, just, and you know, we were getting interviewed by ESPN, CNN, Good Morning America, you know, ended up being on Oprah's show. And then give you one little quick, uh, interesting story is later that year in the summer, Jason is one of the four finalists for the greatest sports moment of the year for the ESPYs. And you won't believe this, but one of the other finalists is his idol. Kobe had scored 81 points in an NBA game that year. And I so think that was against was, Toronto, wasn't it? Yes. Um, at yeah, Toronto, and he, yeah. and he, uh, so he was one of the four finals and Jason wow. actually beat him out for the, for the greatest sports moment of the year. So it was kind of the cherry on top. Well, and I guess I'll, I'll add this one thing is I mentioned earlier, we had never won the sectionals and that year it was like, in fact, I remember cause you know, I had like agents calling me and stuff. And I remember one uh, uh, agent say, well, coach, it would really add to the story if you win your first championship. I go, yeah, that's why I need some more pressure. <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, in front of a, a, our, our arena that where we play normally our championship game is seats about 10,000, but we're not like a basketball hotbed. So usually for a championship game, you might get, you know, half full if you're lucky, but because of the, the media attention about the JMAC game, because uh, he went back as our team manager is that uh, it was sold out. It, the wow. place was just mobbed and we ended up winning a, a sectional tournament for the first time. Um, and uh, so it was just a, you know, a storybook ending to it. Actually, ironically, I'll, I'll close with this on, on that season was it was the most interesting and challenging season I've ever because it ended up being, you know, two of the greatest things I ever had in coaching. J Max Knight, without question, was the greatest, and then winning our first sectional title. But also, I nearly resigned early in the year because we had so much strife, and I wasn't sure how to handle it. And thank God my my wife and my assistants always told me, Coach, you always said when the going gets tough, the tough <laughs> get going. It's time for you to step up. And yeah. fortunately, I hung in there, and, uh, you know, now the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Um, and, and we'll start kind of wrapping up. I know we have other things to get to. You have another appointment, yeah. but I do want to ask, um, I do want to ask this, Jim, because you, you, you've had that experience, but even more than that, your, your, your life is made up of so many, I'm sure you have thousands of stories that, that didn't get that type of exposure, but definitely right. had that type of impact on you and on others. Right. Um, what can a leader do, whether they're coaching a team or, or leading a, a sports team or leading a, a business team or whatever, you know, there, there's, there's some credibility that, that happens that I, I know knowing you the way I know you now, you're not going to say this about yourself, but mm -hmm. a good leader is able to recognize potential moments, even though they mm -hmm. may not know uh, the caliber of that moment, they right. know there's something and that's what you did. You know, if, if you wouldn't have recognized that potential moment to honor that kid, to let him have that opportunity to pay off his hard work, right. the magical moment never happens. So I could argue that, 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 that that's actually not the magical moment. It's a mm -hmm. manifestation of the magic, the real magical moment. And that right. is a leader or a parent or someone recognizing that precious opportunity. So just quickly, what what can a leader do to stay aware and cognizant of those opportunities? Well, I, you know what the the thing that always jumps out to me is I believe effective leaders are can, and, and what I mean by that is they're consistent over how they come across you know day in and day out. They're consistent with their process, you know, with how we organize practice, you know, what, what, what our mission was about. Uh, I think as a leader, it's really important that you have clarity about your own mission. Yes. Yes. And so the, you know, we mentioned that earlier about, you know, leading yourself. But I, I, I think that the thing is, is when we started to really establish um, the two words that always jumped out to me is that consistent and continue to grow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, I, I often am asked, you know, now when I talk to businesses or, you know, high school or college teams or whatever, and they'll say, coach, you know, you really had a great run at the end, you know, because it, the questions that are often asked is how do you get to the top? And that, right. that's kind of what I talk about in my leadership process. But then the second question I think is more difficult is how do you stay at the top? Because we, we see this all the time, you know, the famous one hit wonders and rock, you know, the team that wins and then like, you know, they don't win again for like 10 years, you know, where do they go? And it's because to me, it wasn't because they, uh, they 
didn't continue to grow. And I think that's really important uh, that you, you can't stay the same. You're either going to get better or you're going to get worse. And what happens, I think, too often is that, you know, we lose a little bit of that hunger after we yeah. do something that's, you know, special. And if you do, then you're not going to be able to stay with that consistency because you, you've got to keep striving to get, a, you know, as much as they're cliches, there's so much truth. It's consistency and trying to get a little bit better each day and really focusing on things like, um, you know, like I talk about one of my principles is building trust. Yes. Well, but you know, one of the things I really emphasize to leaders is do you really have a plan? on how you're building trust. Cause we did, you know, we broke it down into three elements and you can, you know, really delve into a lot of elements about trust, but we really wanted to be consistent in how we build trust, because if you don't have trust, then, it, you know, it, you're just not going to go where you want to go because, uh, you know, when people don't trust each other, they can't work together effectively. Yeah. So yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Um, yeah. One of my favorite sayings is persistent patience. Mm, awesome. It, 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 growth and, and success takes patience and time, but really yeah. what it takes is consistency and persistence. You just have to keep yep. going. <laughs> you just have to keep going. I love that. Jim, this has been an honor. Um, I I'd love to have you on another, another episode that we could talk love for to. an hour, just on yeah. those leadership principles, Absolutely. because I, I know you have a lot of gold there and, and so much experience and, um, and, you know, when we first, when we first entertained the idea of having you on the show, I, I was excited and I, I kind of had the thought we'd probably want to do a couple of episodes because we want to introduce people to the story that may not know your story. Right. 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 Um, and then we, and then we also want to help people grow and continue to learn. And that's what we're all about. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd love to uh, do it again, Mitch, because, uh, you know, I, my major goal is to try to help people. So, if you know, if I, I can contribute in some way, I'd be glad to do that. And I, I appreciate the opportunity to spend some time with you today. I love it. Uh, brothers and sisters, make sure you visit Jim's website, coachjimjohnson.com. Um, and I think Jim may have some other projects coming up that he's working on. So make sure you stay up to date. We'll put everything in the show notes as well. And Jim, you're, you're doing some speaking and some consulting and stuff now. So people can reach yeah, out to you. Yeah, that. they can reach out. I, uh, actually I've, uh, after a little bit of slow pivot, cause I, uh, you know, I'm, a, I love live events, uh, but I know that the world right now is a lot virtual. So I, I have, uh, created a virtual and I have been doing virtual presentations. I'm great. Uh, and I will continue to do that, but certainly I'm hoping to the point where we can go out and, uh, uh meet people. I'm actually, uh, I think I mentioned you, I'm trailing. Uh, in a couple of weeks for the first time in over a year. Uh, one of my former players is actually on the Houston Rockets right now. So I'm getting oh, a chance yes. to yes. Uh, see him play, uh, or I don't know how much he'll get a chance to play, but I'll <laughs> see him in uniform anyways, which will be pretty cool. I mean, his first yeah. player I've ever coached has made the NBA. So it's, I'm pretty uh, pumped about that. So. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Celebrate those moments. Yeah, yeah. celebrate those moments. Well, thanks, Jim. This has been great. Um, if you'll hang on the line, I'll stop stop the recording here in a second. Brothers and sisters, thank you for listening to The Mitch Gray Show. Make sure you subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts and uh, follow us on social media as well to keep up with everything that's going on. And make sure to share our show with anyone that you know that listens to podcasts. We'd love to spread the message. And as Jim mentioned, we'd love to all keep growing. And that's exactly what we're about. Hope you have a great day and we will talk to you soon.